On this week's episode, Alan and I talk about what's new on the Coonhound scene before we get into a discussion about bench show judges. We sure hope you enjoy this episode. You're listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast, celebrating hunting dog heritage, competition, and community. United Kennel Club has been the hunting dog sports home for coonhounds, beagles, retrievers, pointers, cur feist, and more for over 125 years. This podcast is fueled by Yukonuba, the official performance dog nutrition partner of UKC. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. This is Trevor Wade. I'll be your host today, and I'm joined by the Director of Hunting Ops, Alan Gingrich. How are you doing today, Alan? Very well today. Yeah. So we're here. We're finally at the beginning of May here. So, the of course, we had a little bit of snow yesterday, so that was good. Yeah, winter just can't, we just can't get rid of it, seems like. <laughs> it seems like spring comes for a day or two, and then we go right back. Can't, I know. Can't make up its mind at all. I know. May 1st, it was snowing just talked to somebody up in the northern part of the state they said it's covered up there yeah may 1st crazy yeah so what uh so this is so your spring travel season is kind of wrapped up now i guess right it kind of is you know that's kind of it's kind of nice it's been a busy spring a good spring we've had some great events this year you know kicked off with the, as far as our events go the winter classic and had our gun dog uh, national championship uh, winter classic uh what else do we have the eliminators uh the McVeigh or the uh, the NHPA days and our and our uh, TOC yeah and our nationals so yeah just listening to the Vice World uh, yeah. uh, interview Vice World the other day that was a good one yeah yeah so there's a lot of good content to go back and and hear all about the spring season but I guess now you what during this you don't have much going on until I guess fall now or we, autumn oaks really is yeah. the next big one big one you know i don't know what you have for me in terms of breed events this year if i if you're leaving any for me at all <laughs> or not but uh, we'll find out i guess hey i'm kind of excited for breed day events yeah. this year sounds like a, a taylor our, our uh, uh, director of registration is going to be with me at a few of them anyway yeah. we're going to black and tan days this weekend uh we got blue tick days coming up I, there's one or two of them that she wasn't gonna be able to make it to but uh you know, we got a full slate here over the next five or six weeks where yeah. we got five of them coming up and I'm excited to get out. I haven't really, you know, outside of a few, I haven't traveled very much this year so far. Yeah. You mentioned that, you know, they're there for a little while. They really got caught up with the registration stuff and then they found themselves behind again a little bit. A lot of it has to do with the fee increases for, you know, a lot of folks still have the old forms with the old fees. So that slowed us down a little bit, got us behind again, but she is going with you to these events and help you with that. And this is a good time to, hey, folks should bring their paperwork there uh to the breed day events and you guys can take care of it there bring it back with you and and uh yeah don't hesitate to approach the table exactly. i know I've, I've been there and been nervous to approach the ukc table for whatever reason yeah. back in the day but uh You're scared hey, of me <laughs> she's gonna have uh she's gonna have uh all the stuff there to where she can process paperwork or fix or uh, resolve your problems right there on site whereas uh, usually when you come up to me my internet's not working i gotta take notes and take them back to figure out what's going wrong she's going to have access to most all of our system and be able to get you squared away yeah so yeah folks bring your bring your stuff and and uh, and turn it into to her there and and be good time to ask her any questions you might have about anything so but they are working hard uh to try to fix the problem get caught back up and i'm i'm confident they'll give us that yeah so when i say she's going to be at the events outside of one or two 
that she may have to leave early on or not be able to make it because of uh, – obviously, she still has to do uh, – to manage the registration department here in the office, but uh, black and tan days, blue tick days, English days, plot days, and uh, red bone days, those are ones that uh, she's planning on coming to at least. So uh, you can – national red bone day, so you can make plans to come to some of those hopefully. Yeah, we're recording this on like the first weekend here in May, which is black and tan days is coming up this right. weekend. So this will – black and tan days will be over by the time this airs, but yeah. Most of the others uh, will still be on, will still be on the docket. I guess may yeah. put something on social media and try to get yeah make people aware of that. So, well, as we kind of shift this way, uh, one one of our programs is kind of ending for the year, kind of strange in the middle of the year. But the way our our youth stuff falls and runs with our youth nationals coming up in late July, we have our next generation spotlight series that runs from June first to May thirty first. So this will be the last month for it. So we'll talk more about uh, standings and whatnot after after we finalize it and get towards youth nationals where we're going to recognize those kids who who won their their age group at the Spotlight Series. Uh, but uh, one thing we want to talk about right now is that we're actually shifting. If you go back to episode episode two of this, one of the first episodes that we released of this podcast, uh, you'll hear us talk about the youth programs in depth. And one of the things that we talked about was the new junior handler enrollment form. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of shifting from doing it uh, manually, uh, keeping tabs of Spotlight Series points in a spreadsheet, to wanting to do it through our program here that we have in the office and just take out the human element of it, make it easier on clubs, make it easier on the kids, and make it easier for the people here in the office processing the reports. Uh, this is something that you've already you've already made these changes in in a couple of your programs. Your Beagle Gun Dog Youth Program and your Hunting Beagle Youth Program have already made these changes, and they're going pretty well, I assume. It is. It's it's just a better way, a more accurate way for us to uh, to uh, uh, have these have these uh, point standings and everything, and takes out the human element of it. You know, as far as uh, before, we just did everything on a spreadsheet, and that's not bad. You know, if you don't have that many, but the programs are are so big anymore we uh this is just a better way to do it but yeah you know so the kids do have a uh you know if they fill out that profile form that you mentioned uh, we then send them a little a little card a little membership card youth handler card i guess it looks like your easy entry card same uh, paper stock but it has the youth and number for the youth and what it is it's very simple so it's the the first four numbers are the birth date birth year of the of the youth and then the next two numbers are the birth month and then the birth day. So it's those numbers. And then the last three numbers are 001, unless there's already a kid in the system that has the exact same birth date. The next kid would be 002 or 003. Yeah. So that's the number. So, uh, uh, But it's very important, you know. And the other thing that is that helps a lot, we're, we're getting some reports where kids aren't putting their number in because they don't have it with them or don't remember it. But they should always, uh, always try to to have it with them. Take a picture of your card when you get it. Have yeah. it on your phone and make sure you get that number on the report form. Because that number is never going to change for you. That's You're going right. to have that same youth number the, for yep. the duration exactly. of your of your youth. Exactly. But no, to answer, it's it's been working very well in our in our Beagle stuff. So you'll see the same thing here. Yeah, and you mentioned the cards. Uh, a lot of Coonhound kids have turned in these youth enrollment forms. They they don't have their cards yet. Sounds like that's going to go out in a big batch here. And maybe by the time you listen to this, it may already be out because I know they're proofing that list right now and getting it out to those to the youth that have got their junior handler enrollment forms in. Um, so as we make our transition and get ready for for June, we're we're a full steam ahead on this. And what that means is, uh, starting June first, any youth events after that, we're not going to be able to apply points to a kid's records in our system unless they have a junior handler enrollment form in and they're in our in our uh, our program. So it's going to be imperative that you get one of those filled out. 
And uh, just a couple of different ways to get it. First off, I'll be at a lot of major events this spring, summer, and into the fall. Come see me at the table. I'll have a bunch of them at every one. You can easily get it filled out. Take a couple minutes to fill it out. It's just your your contact information, basically, and get it turned right back into me. I can take it to the office and get you in there the next day. Um, it's on our website. Obviously, it lives on our website. You can find it both under the Yep Event page and also the Next Generation Spotlight Series page. Uh, they should be going out with their uh, all YEP or youth championship packets. There should be at least a couple of them in there. Uh, if you need more, you may have to make copies. If you're a host club hosting a YEP event, I uh, want to have plenty on hand for all of them. And you can actually just get them to fill them out and send them right in with your report would be an awesome way to do it. That's right. Or then if they need to request one from us, uh, Hunting Ops email is is your friend uh, for corresponding with our uh, team in, in the Hunting Ops department. Hunting Ops at UKCDogs.com. Shoot an email, request one. We can shoot one right over to you, too. Yeah, that's a good, that's a, a lot of times uh, if somebody emails us directly, if I'm on the road for, I know I'll be on the road for three weeks in a row there at the beginning of June and only in the office for a day or two each time. And sometimes it's hard to keep up with the email when you're doing that kind of schedule. So emailing the hunting ops at UKC Dogs is a great way to get in touch with our department because the whole department has access to that email and we stay up to date on it daily. So that's a great way to get in touch with us. And the last thing, I actually just finished writing the uh, advisor column for June and I actually talked about the junior handler enrollment form in there. And I'm going to have uh, a Grayson with publications include a page of the magazine and just make it an enrollment form. You can easily tear it out or take a picture of it after you fill it out and send it in that way. So uh, there's a lot of different ways to get it. And if you're having trouble getting it, just reach out to us and we'll get one to you. But we need to make sure we have those in uh, hopefully before June because I don't want to lose out on any points. Another new thing that you've been you've been working pretty closely on this one the past the past couple of weeks as we make this transition uh, with some of our uh, event uh, licensed event coordinators upstairs is a new confirmation form and procedure we're putting in place. Um, we've kind of shifted away with, with some of the new printers we have. Some of the older printers, the tractor fed printers, are now no longer in use, and we've kind of done away with the the monthly batches of confirmation forms that we send out to clubs every month for the for their events coming up in four or five months. Yeah, the form you're you're speaking of is the one that we send to clubs that has their event date on it that we mail to them, and they fill out the entry fees and the deadlines, entry deadlines they want for that event. They return it back to us. So that's the form you're talking about. So, yeah, that one's going to go away as far as mail goes. That's right. Uh, we're, gonna, we're going to – we have a new form uh, that is uh, – well, I'll let you talk about it. You've got some notes here on it. So, Well, I do have some notes, yeah, and, and and I think that we've all seen as a department, as a company, that there's a big shift towards electronic lately. People are clamoring for more and more electronic ways. We're making the change in the Next Generation's Fallout Series going electronic with that youth handler enrollment form. Now we're making the change here just because we've, we've had more and more clubs that are confirming their events by not mailing this in but by getting a hold of us by phone or emailing us all their events that they're at the beginning with their uh, confirmation details and data, which would be, like you said, their deadlines, their entry fees, how long they're hunting for, is this a sectional, uh, more event details. They're emailing and calling that stuff in rather than mailing in the form, and it's just, uh, honestly, it's just wasting a lot of paper and, and uh, time, honestly, and it's just not the most efficient way to do things anymore. No, not, especially with somebody that has email and somebody that's half-handy on it on with a computer. Uh, if if I can do it, I'm sure most coon most uh, coon clubs or most clubs will have a uh, their corresponding officer or a, an officer that is capable of of handling that. And they're going to find it so much more efficient, so much easier. You know, a PDF is one where they just the the form itself. You know, it asks for your club name, your ID, the date of your event, and then it you just check the boxes on what events you're going to have, what your fees are going to be, your deadlines. 
The other thing that's going to be easy for them, make it very easy, is that a lot of generally, a lot of their events have the same deadlines and same entry fees for the year. It might change a little bit in the summertime, but whoever is filling that out, uh, fill it out one time, and most of the, after that, you might just have to tweak a few little things here and there. Change the uh, date, change the date for the event way. date, right? Yeah. And a few little things. They get used to it. They're going to find out it's super simple, super right. simple, and they're going to they're they're going to love it. You yeah. know, I know some folks that don't have maybe aren't used to this right now are going to think, well, that's just something new. They're it's going to be a hassle for us, and da 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 da. Uh, give it a chance. I think you're going to once they get used to it, they're going to love it. Yeah. So much easier. Forget about the mail. You can then also save it to your own files. You'll always have a copy of what it is that you sent UKC. And it's just a matter of uh, hitting a button and boom, it's uh, it's in the UKC office. Yeah. So the the initial rollout here is basically where uh, each club's going to get a, a packet in the mail from us that's going to have a few different things in it. First, it's going to have uh, uh, you made a letter kind of uh, detailing how the information sheet works and the process of it and some of the reasons for it and that sort of thing. So that, that's going to be the first sheet. They're going to have the sample confirmation form, which is the essential data confirmation form mm-hmm. that you can find. Uh, that's going to be our new uh, new form that we're going to use for everything. And then also a list of your club's tentatively scheduled events for the rest of 2023. Right. So that's from July 1st to December 31st, all the dates that are tentatively on the club schedules that haven't been confirmed yet. Yeah. And then uh, come October this fall, we will send them the first six months, like January through June, we'll send the clubs uh, their dates for that. Can't The reason we can't give them the, the for the full calendar year, we can if they request it, but as far as the system pulling it up, it doesn't, until a, a club has been, or an event has been held, it doesn't actually pop up on their next year's calendar. Right. In other words, so just as an example, right now we're here in the first week in May, so right now, the the last week in April now shows up. Those events show up for April of 2024 for all those clubs, but not May yet right. because we've not done anything yet in May. But as soon as that event is held, then it will appear on the calendar. And that's why we can't give them the whole year in October because we wouldn't have November and December. In there. That's what it amounts to. Yep. So we're, we're just going to split it up in six months. Yeah. So we you kind of mentioned a little bit, but there's two things that are going to make this super easy for clubs. And the first thing is to have an updated officer form on file with UKC. Uh, most clubs do really good at updating their officers as they have elections through the year. Some of them we haven't had updates since 2010, uh, you know, but uh, what we're also going to include an officer update form in their packet that we're sending them sound like. And uh, those are being mailed just here soon. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, you may already start seeing those rolling in, but uh uh, having the updated corresponding officer is going to be essential because that's where we're going to be mailing this to, and you want to get the right information available. And the second thing is that corresponding officer, it needs to be somebody that is proficient and capable of emailing back and forth. In these days and time, it's almost, it's it's essential. That's it no other way to say it. Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. And uh, probably about the time this podcast comes out is when clubs are going to start getting these letters. And it's those are only uh, going to be clubs that have events from July on. Yeah. You know, so if your club doesn't have an event from uh, now until the rest of the year, you may not be getting one of these until come October. Or if you've already confirmed your events for the whole year, yeah. which a lot of clubs do. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will tell you, we do a lot of things with our phones, iPhones and such, you know, these days. Um, this form that we're talking about, you can fill, you can do it on, on an iPhone, but it is not going to be very customer friendly that, you know, somebody with a PC is going to be, uh, is going to be a lot more friendlier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just one more thing, you know, we talk all the time about, uh, 
you go to the local club, a lot of the people doing a lot of the brunt work sometimes are up there in age. And there has to be a way to get the younger generation involved, give them some tasks, give them some responsibility. This is one of them. Perfect way to do it right yeah. here. Get someone involved, yeah. kind of make this their priority, make them feel like, uh, you know, they're an in- integral part of the club and uh, give them some responsibility. And, and you're liable to see more effort from that, from that age group if you very, do so. Very good idea. Very yeah. good idea. And they can always they can always have the information there for all the club members, their officer, to see what uh, what they have sent in and all all this and that, you know. So yeah, yeah. And then the goal, the final goal of this, the last thing I put here, it's going to take a lot of the inefficiencies out of the system. We've had a ton of trouble, and, and we obviously the the registration issues are are well known and out there. But uh, in the hunting office department, we fight it all the time of clubs that have mailed in reports. They've mailed in their confirmations. Now it's we're a week from the event. We never got their confirmation form in the mail. Uh, you know, you can't confirm an event a week out. There's we're still having trouble that there's floating around in in no man's land out there. These confirmation forms, and this is going to take that step out. And I think it's it going it's going to work better for. For the clubs, it's going to make their life a lot simpler. Yeah. One of the questions we're going to get is how they're going to pay for their events. Um, they can send, they can mail a check just like they did before after the event, or they can always call with payment. And hopefully, uh, before long, we'll also have a portal where they can go to to pay. Hopefully, eventually down the road, that's coming. Has to. Yeah. Right. It, and it will eventually. Right. Well, if you were, uh, we'll kind of shift gears here now. We're going to talk about uh, some bench show dogs. We talked about back in episode 44, we were going to talk about Grand Champion Hall of Fame dogs. Uh, we started out with the Black and Tan and Leopards. There's just so many of them that it's hard to to knock them all out in one sitting without, you wouldn't be able to give them all their due credit if you were to do that. Um, so today we're going to work on uh, Blue Ticks, which is one of our bigger ones. There's 18 dogs in the Blue Tick breed that have achieved the Grand Champion Hall of Fame title as of February 28th. Uh, we're going to keep working on that February 28th list because we have a plan going forward. After we're done with this initial run through, we're going to shift and just start doing dogs as they make the title on episodes as we go. And it's going to make it a lot easier to to just pinpoint and and give the dogs a recognition as we yeah. go. Yeah. So starting out with the blue ticks today, we had 18 of them, like I said, split right down the middle. Nine males and nine females have achieved the Grand Champion Hall of Fame title. And the very first blue, uh, blue tick to achieve that title was uh, – Grand Water Champion 3, Grand Field Champion, Grand Champion Hall of Fame, E-Town's Blue Helicopter Alley HTX. This is a female born in May of 2010, owned by Gary Young of Eleanor, West Virginia. Yeah, the sire is Jet's Northern Blue Airplane, and the dam is Storman's Blue Holler Molly, uh, bred by Mike Janke. This dog has 45 Grand Champion wins total and earned the degree in October of 2013. So this was one of the dogs that already had that many grand wins before we even had this program right and yeah. fell into the you know as as one of the the eligibles i guess so to speak yeah gary young he's uh he's not only the owner of alley there but also of our next dog here so one that was obviously running the the roads and supporting local level uh bin shows even way back before he had this opportunity another dog same age bracket 2012 for this next dog yeah yeah this next one is grand night champion grand water champion grand field champion Grand Champion Hall of Fame, E-Town's Blue Ranger 2 HTX. Uh, this is a male blue tick born in March of 2012 and, again, owned by Gary Young of Eleanor, West Virginia. Yeah, decorated sire here as well. Grand Field Champion, Grand Knight Champion, Grand Water Champion, Grand Champion, Newsom's Mud River Ranger HTX, and the dam is uh, Champion Thacker's Blue Pepper HTX, bred by Mr. Gary Young. 56 Grand Champion wins uh, earned in May of 2015. 
Gary, one that uh, helped us out uh, with an assignment not too long ago when he went with Jamie to work one of our TOC regions, I remember. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've had the youth nationals over there at his club before. He's a big help over there. Yep. That whole club does so good with the They team. do. They do. Or that whole area. Yeah. <clears throat> Third one here is Grand Champion Hall of Fame, Stonewall Jackson, Heart of Tennessee. Uh, this is a male blue tick born in June of 2013, owned by Sidney Durham and Bill Tuck of Whitwell, Tennessee. Yeah, this dog's out of a hunting bred dog. Grand Night Champion Grub Southern Blue Scooter and Night Champion Grand Champion Shelton's Blue Betty Lou bred by J.W. Teasley of Kentucky uh, has 116 wow. Grand Champion wins, earned it in May of 2015. Another one of those 116 Grand Champion wins. Crazy. Wow. Bill Tuck is a guy we see at Autumn Oaks, the world show. He's always got a dog or two in there. And I remember this dog uh, just showing around the circuit, you know, 10 years ago or so, five, 10 years ago, I guess, five years ago, Stonewall Jackson, uh, but just a nice, nice hound. Yeah, absolutely. Must be 116. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next one here is going to be a, kind of a familiar name. Confirmation champion, grand champion, Hall of Fame, Rockin' W's, GR's Only Prettier. Uh, this is a female born in January of 2010, owned by TJ Daniels of Johnstown, Ohio. Yeah, this dog is out of Grand Champion uh, Razor Ridge Papa Top again and Grand Night Champion Grand Champion Tree Thumping Amazing Grace bred by Jody and Whitney uh, Killoff. There are 52 Grand Champion wins earned in June of 2015 for W is only prettier. Another familiar name on here that we just talked about. They got another one on the list. Grand Champion Hall of Fame Volunteer Blue Sweet Tea. This is a female born in July of 2014, owned again by Bill Tuck and Sidney Durham of Jasper, Tennessee. Yeah, this dog's off a Teasley dog again. Uh, a champion Night Champion Teasley, CNM Southern Blue Slick Sam, and Barnes Blue Ruth is the dam. Uh, bred by Mr. Bill Tuck. A 69 Grand Champion wins total earned in February of 2016 already. We mentioned some of these old, uh, you know, these these dates from several years ago or whatever. As we move forward, we won't be seeing these anymore. You know, these are all going to be the first ones to, to 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 pop up, I guess. But uh, yeah, some it's good to see some of these old hounds that had that many wins back in the day that uh, are still on the the eligible in that category in that time frame to be eligible for it. So, yeah, yeah, you kind of got to be appreciative of people like that because at that time, what are they? You know, you're going around and, and winning 70 grand champion shows. What are you really doing besides just supporting the clubs in your area? Yeah. You're just there as an as an entry. You're there. You're probably getting something from the kitchen. You're there to, to talk around to people, enjoy people's company, and, and it's kind of the lifeblood of the yeah. local level scene there. Yeah, and that goes back to the question, you know, when did we start this? When, what year? You know, it was pups born or dogs born in 2010 and later, I think, that, that fit into this realm here. So uh, right. picked up any dogs in that time frame. Our next one on our list here as we move along is uh, Field Champion, Grand Champion Hall of Fame, Allen's Blue Deuce Amy. Uh, this is a female born in August of 2011, owned by Alan Moore of Rivesville, West Virginia. Yeah, this dog sired by Grand Knight Champion, Grand Champion Bowen's Blue Deuce, and Knight Champion, Grand Champion Green's Oklahoma River Crybaby is the dam. Bred by Zach Bowen, 69 Grand Champion wins total, earned in September of 2016. This next one here is one a show or two, I know. Uh, this is National Grand Champion, Confirmation Champion, Grand Champion Hall of Fame, Spanky's Rockin' Blue Popcap. Uh, this is a male blue tick born in January of 2012, owned by Lori Galbraith, Autumn Huffman, and Chris Tracy 
of Cabot, Arkansas, where uh, he's from. Uh, Sire again here is Razor Ridge Papa Top again, and the dam is uh, Tree Thumping Amazing Grace. That's the uh, same cross of another dog we just mentioned here a couple dogs ago. Uh, bred by Whitney Killoff, 62 grand champion wins, earned in August of 2018 for Spanky's Rock, Rock and Blue Pop Cap. You mentioned uh, he's a national grand champion. This dog has won a lot all over the country. You know, he's been uh, just a super nice dog. He was showing uh, up until recently, really, and is still just real, looking really nice still yeah. today. We talk, uh, we talk a lot about some of these dogs you never heard of before and, and maybe some people you haven't heard of that uh, that run the roads maybe at their local events and, and get this degree uh, just by sheer numbers. Uh, that's one that you like to see on the list because that's one that's been showing at every major event across the country for the past, I don't know, six, seven, eight years yeah. and, and winning everywhere they go. And it's yep. good to see a dog of that caliber on this list that was able to not only get the big wins but also get a, a large quantity of wins as well. It looks like we got another Rockin' W's dog here. Uh, Grand Champion Hall of Fame, Confirmation Champion, Rockin' W's, I'll have another. This is a male born in April of 2012, owned by Whitney Killo and Shauna and Brooke Hudson of Cabot, Arkansas. Named after a racehorse, actually. Uh, yep, uh, out of Grand Champion, Razor Ridge, Papa Top again. There he is again, this time a different female, though. Night Champion, Grand Champion, Uchman's Gracie, Mini Me, bred by Jody and uh, Whitney. Uh, Kellogg, 48 grand champion wins, uh, earned the degree in May of 2019 for I'll have another. Our earned dates are getting closer and closer to the time whenever this uh, was implemented. Speaking of racehorses, that, uh, that horse ran in the Kentucky Derby. I don't remember what year, but I'm pretty sure that horse ran in the Derby, which this is Derby week too. Derby week. Derby By the time week. you listen to this, it'll be old it'll news, be old, I guess, yeah. but, uh, uh, yeah, it's coming up. Uh, next one on our list here is Night Champion, Confirmation Champion, Grand Champion Hall of Fame, Southern Flame, Bad Moon Rising. Uh, this is a male blue tick born in February of 2012, owned by Mike and Myra Seats of Stoneford, Illinois. Dog is off of Confirmation Champion, Grand Champion, Southern Flame, Bad News Bandit, a dog that was won a lot back in the day. Uh, uh, and the dam is Southern Flame, Too Hot to Trot. Uh, bred by Cynthia Grooms and Gerald Black. Cynthia used to own the dam and the the dam and the sire here. And 50 grand champion wins total earned the degree in May of 2019 for Bad Moon Rising. Hall of Fame. As we get closer here, and we talked a little bit about it on the episode where we went over black and tans and, and leopards, but you're going to see a little bit of fluctuation by that total of grand champion wins here. And that's just because that number to make champion and grand champion hasn't always been the same. Obviously, when the rule changed, we went from five champion wins to eight and right. now with some of the multipliers. Right. So won't always be 50 on the dot. As we see, this next dog only had 48, but mm -hmm. uh, the way it worked out when he earned his titles uh, was enough to make grand champion Hall of Fame. So this next one here is grand champion Hall of Fame, Waters Dog River Timber 2. Uh, this is a male blue tick uh, born in September of 2016, owned by Mark and Sherry Waters of Northfield, Vermont. Vermont, northeastern dog here. So uh, just just because they're kind of not in the mainstream of uh, where a lot of the bench shows are at, uh, is a good example of a dog that's still earned this title. Uh, the dog is sired by Grand Knight Champion Delwood Blue Zero, and the dam is Knight Champion Grand Champion Lady Lux Green Mountain Gin Do It. Bred by Megan Fleming's 48 Grand Champion wins, like you mentioned. Um, um, and the degree was earned in September of 2019. The next one here uh, is owned by my, my buddy Lee Hogan. I feel like I see this guy at every 
major event I go to, as long as they do have water race and, and field trials, he'll drive a piece for them. And uh, yeah, I'd like to say yeah. he he's he must be the one paying my salary with all of his uh his entries because he'll bring six, seven, eight dogs down from Wisconsin to a, to a breed day event and. And it's evident that he's, uh, as we, as I'm going to read the dog's name here, it becomes evident that he's very supportive of the clubs. Uh, yeah, all the titles on this dog. Uh, confirmation Grand Champion, Grand Water Champion 3, Grand Knight Champion 3, Grand Field Champion Hall of Fame, Grand Champion Hall of Fame, PR Hogan's Ruby, HTX Ford. Actually, our only Grand Field Champion Hall of Fame dog currently on our list. So impressive there. Uh, Ruby's a... A female blue tick born in March of 2015, and like I said, owned by Lee Hogan of Rudolph, Wisconsin. Sired by Grand Knight Champion Sons of Squaw Creek's Blue Hank and, and off of Grand Water Champion, Grand Knight Champion, Grand Champion, Hogan's Jazz, HTX2. Bred by Lee Hogan, 55 Grand Champion wins on the dog, earned in April of 2021. So yeah, uh, Hogan's Ruby has done a lot of winning in a lot of different, a lot of different formats or disciplines here. Uh, not just a, she's not just a show dog. So actually made the grand 16 a couple years she ago did. with this dog. Sure did. Next dog here on the list is field champion, water champion, grand champion, hall of fame, Jameson's blue tanker Lee. Uh, this is a male blue tick born in October of 2016 owned by Tucker and Toby Jameson of Artport, New York. Out of Bancroft's blue hunter and the female, the dam is Bancroft's wild and blue Maddie bred by Patrick Bancroft and uh, 44 grand champion wins here. Earned in uh, August of 2021 for Blue Tanker Lee. Here's one here that uh, was born before that 2010 cutoff, but a dog that was still active when we did it. We were able to, there was a couple of 2009 dogs that were still competing, although they were pretty old at the time uh, that we uh, we went ahead and pulled their wins in. Because they were still active. They were still active right. right. Yep. And this is one of them here. Uh, confirmation champion, grand champion, Hall of Fame, Kraut Creek Mighty Blue 8 Ball. A male born in October of 2009, owned by Robert Welch of Greenville, Ohio. Yeah, Robert Welch, I'll, I'll tell you a little story after this, but the the sire is Grand Champion, Grand Knight Champion, Meads Blue Jet 8, and the dam is Knight Champion, Grand Champion, Bingo's Mighty Blue Jammer Bell, bred by John Welling, 40 Grand Champion wins earned in December of 2021. Robert Welch is a guy I always remember of being a mas- me being a master of hounds at an event. So I go to Hamilton one time, Judge the bench show earlier in the afternoon, and uh, he was there showing a dog. And uh, those of you know who uh, who Robert is, you know he he's he shows and he hunts both. Uh, he, he probably shows more than he hunts, but anyways, he comes there and after the show, he's telling me he's been out hunting all night the night before. He's tired. He needs to sleep, and he wants to take me to give me his hunt entry, and and he's gonna go sleep till it's time to, for the hunt. Well. I, I didn't, I was a little reluctant and I said, okay, I took his entry, stuck it in my briefcase, you know, several hours later, take all the entries and everything. We go to call out Cass. I got everybody called out. There's one guy standing in the clubhouse. There's, there's <laughs> Robert, Robert Welch. Welch. And I was like, oh man, are you kidding me? I forgot to pull his entry out of my briefcase. I've never <laughs> forgot that. And I don't know. It was just that's uh, you know how you you uh, live and learn you know yeah. things that you do sometimes. But uh, that's I think that's the only time I can remember that happening. But I always felt bad. I was like, man, what a and I didn't have a four or a three dog cast to put him on. But yeah, so it saved you some steps that night, Robert. Yeah. I'll, every but, time I see him, I I still remember that. It just comes back here. Did it again. See his <laughs> name and boom, that 
incident pops up again. That's good stuff. <laughs> He's probably forgot about it, but I haven't. <laughs> He'll remember now. Yeah, I don't know if he won or not, but hey, we got him in the hunt. Hey. Uh, next one on our list here is Grand Champion Hall of Fame RC Cold Mountain Blue Bonnie. That's a female blue tick born in June of 2019, owned by Mark and Walker Griffin of Canton, North Carolina. Yeah, the dog is sired by Big Ticking Blue Delmar, and the dam is Bertha Blue, bred by Robert Parsons. 40 Grand Champion wins earned in April of 2022 for Blue Bonnie. Next one here, we got Grand Champion Hall of Fame Kelly's Creek Dixie, a female born in March of 2017, owned by James Holmes of Charleston, West Virginia. Yeah, sired by Grand Champion, Grand Knight Champion Hall of Fame Blue Balling Rebel, and the dam is Kelly's Creek Bluebell, bred by James Holmes. 40 Grand Champion wins total earned in April of 2022. Only a few more left here. Our next one we got is Field Champion, Confirmation Champion, Grand Water Champion, Grand Champion Hall of Fame, Lewis's Coons Doom Zena, a female born in April of 2017, owned by Anthony and Amanda Lewis of Accident, Maryland. Sired by Grand Knight Champion Oppie's Rush Creek Spit, and the dam is Grand Champion Tree and Blue Black Betty Bamalam, bred by Russ Downing of Wisconsin. 42 Grand Champion wins, uh, earned the degree in May of 2022. Got another Robert Welch dog here, Grand Champion Hall of Fame. Crowd I got Creek. a story about Robert Welch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Can't wait to hear it. Uh, Grand Champion Hall of Fame, Kraut Creek Blue Tinkerbell. Got a female born in November of 2013, owned by Robert. Uh, again, Greenville, Ohio. Robert. Yeah. yeah, this dog is sired by Night Champion, Grand Champion, Jet 8's Mighty Blue Dot Spot HTX, and the dam is Night Champion, Grand Champion, Bingo's Mighty Blue Jammer Bell, bred again by John Welling. 40 Grand Champion wins earned in October of 2022. For Tinkerbell. And as of, uh, like I said, as of the end of February, whenever I ran this list, this was the last blue tick that achieved the Hall of Fame title here. The latest blue tick to achieve the Hall of Fame title, should I say. Grand Champion Hall of Fame, Forever Blue Tree Blowing Blake. Uh, this is a male blue tick born in September of 2016, owned by Renee Hawk of Sardinia, Ohio. Yeah, sired by Grand Knight Champion, Grand Champion Ammons, Midnight Ace, and the dam is Stull's Blue Hurricane Hannah, bet, uh, bred by uh, Renee. And 42 grand champion wins earned in October of 2022 for Tree Blowing Blake. So congratulations to all those folks. On the next episode, we'll probably start working through English and Plots and Redbones. I think we could probably knock out all three of those in one in one sitting, and then we'll finish it off with Walker. So yeah. we'll finish up our Grand Champion Hall of Fames over the next uh, next few Coontown episodes that we do. So Yeah, it's kind of interesting looking back over this list, you know, some of the sires and dams that are also Hall of Fame dogs, you know, a couple of them in the night hunts, and we had one there in the field, or the sire was a field, tri or a, no, the actual dog, one of Lee Hogan's dogs, a field champion Hall of Fame, and yeah. so yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, one thing that, uh, and and I've just become so dependent on it, our multiplier titles, you know, so at first some people may have thought, you know, what's the point in it? Yeah. Maybe silly, what have you, but. It's become something I lean. When I see a dog with like a Grand Knight Champion three or five, it means to me that that dog's been around and probably won in multiple different places. And, yeah. and same for a Grand Champion Hall, uh, Grand Champion Multiplier title. That's a dog that's seasoned, that's consistently winning, and it, it holds some merit and some weight for me when sure I see does. those multiplier titles. Same thing. Same thing for me when I see. Oh. Yeah. Alan, we both had Dog Pathfinder twos now for a little while. What do you think about yours? 
I'm liking mine. One of the things I had the opportunity to now download a map of an area where I did not have service, and I've used it there, and it has worked flawlessly. I love it. Yeah, I love the crystal clear maps. I love that I never lose reception on my dog's collars anymore. Highly recommended by me as well. Dog Trip Pathfinder 2, the official GPS collar partner of UKC. So the next thing we, we've kind of uh, every now and then like to dedicate a little bit of uh, time to our bench show, our bench show folks out there so they don't feel left out. We've been talking about TOC, 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 seems like over the past month or two. And uh, today we wanted to, to park and talk about some, uh, some bench show specific stuff now that we're done with the Grand Champion Hall of Fame stuff. And uh, the first thing we want to talk about, we're just going to be talking to our judges today, uh, to our bench show judges. We sure appreciate our bench show judges and all they do and, and you know, holding down the fort out there for us. Uh, putting in the time and effort and sacrificing their time to judge shows. But we want to talk a little bit about maybe some of uh, the principles uh, that UKC holds their uh, their judges to and talk about some of the unwritten rules and un unethical practices that, that you may see or want to avoid while you're out there. Um, you know, it's a big honor to be a, a UKC licensed judge. We hold them to a high standard. Uh, we consider it an honor for anybody who, who holds such. And just want to go over some things today for people to, to listen to and hear. Yeah, you know, we talk about this sometimes, you know, and, and and it's a big deal. Judging judging is a is a huge deal and you know, sometimes uh uh it, it rules, especially when it comes to ethics and things like that, you know, principles and ethics and things like that. It's really hard to to write something that fits uh everything across the spectrum of our sports. You know, what I'm the point I'm trying to make is is it's a, a whole lot different uh, at Autumn Oaks than it is at the Whitley County Coon Owners Club bench show. Let's say, for instance, if I'm judging, uh, uh, you know, if I'm judging at Whitley County, good chance everybody that's showing a dog there, I know everybody, and I probably hunted with most everybody, and most of them are probably my friends, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Where it's, it, it's nothing, nobody looks at you sideways that they're showing their dogs under me come to autumn oaks or whatever that's a different story sometimes you know if it's somebody i hunt with or or you're showing a dog or whatever and then all of, and rightfully so right you know rightfully so sense. you know and it's uh so uh yeah i'm glad we picked this topic you know to kind of talk about that and when we when we're talking about that we are not targeting anybody specifically it's just a time for us to kind of um uh, talk about this and i think we're probably going to mention some things that most people don't even really think about sometimes yeah. but i think it's important that we do and especially when we take these assignments for some of the major shows you know and just some things that uh, like i said we you know most might not even think about but maybe when the shoes on the other foot folks do uh perception is huge and right. i think you know that starting you know for me uh i've always kind of hit on the perception thing with any of the folks that have worked on our team you know and things that don't look good, um, we should probably stay clear of that when right. we can. You can't control everything, but uh, sometimes things that you that you can, you just do. You can certainly eliminate a whole lot of things. And and judging is one of those. You know, it's a subjective thing. But uh, no, so I'm glad we're making this a topic today and talk about it a little bit. And and uh, like I said, it's uh, hopefully we don't. It's hopefully we don't offend anybody by the things we're we're uh, we're going to touch on here. You know, and that's not the intent. You know, just we want our judges to think about some of these things, you know. Plant the seed. It is. It and is. And not just you know. our judges, but maybe uh, 
host clubs, uh, it, associations, participants as well. Think about it. Yep, participants as well. You know, and so uh, every everybody included, really. So, um, you know, sometimes we get proposals. Well, you need to have this in your rules about ethics or this and that. You know, and like I said, it's just so hard to write something because of what's acceptable here is definitely not going to be acceptable here. You know, and that may not make sense to some people until you've really been there. You know, but. Uh, so it's really hard to really write something that works across the board. But I think we can, there's definitely some, uh, some. Uh, so let, let's start with some guiding principles. And we have some of these outlined and posted on our website uh, for, for judges. So guiding principles for UKC judges, you want to start with that maybe? Yeah, just want to do some yeah. of the ones that you've highlighted yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. under guiding principle for UKC judges, like you said, you can find it on our website there. Uh, the first highlighted section here that you wanted to point out and read out for everybody was uh, all UKC judges are expected to avoid any situations that may give the appearance of impropriety. If you have concerns that something could be interpreted or viewed as inappropriate, it is best to avoid the situation altogether. A UKC judge's reputation should be above reproach. Yeah, you know, and uh, what does impropriety mean? It means uh, it's uh, something that's rude or offensive or maybe it looks to be in bad taste is what that means you know so if it if it looks bad we just talked about it you know yeah uh it's a good thing to stay away from and especially uh at major shows you know if it's something that uh let's say for instance uh in the part that I, that we were talking about a little bit or mentioned participants as well is if 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 you're judging if you're judging automokes or whatever um i as a participant uh even though you haven't owned this dog, but you, this dog I have, maybe one that you bred or something like that. How does, how's that going to look to, and especially if you pick this dog, how's that going to look to this other participant? Yeah. You know, you know, I shouldn't even put you in that position right. to begin with, you know, and think about some of those things like that. And you we know? field calls like that sometimes we where do. somebody's like, man, uh, I don't, this person that's judging, I don't even know them. You mm -hmm. know, I've bought them two people down the line from buying this dog but I'm wondering if I should show under it. Uh, what it was, the first thing I always think of, hey, if you're having to ask the question, maybe that's your answer right there. If you're yeah. having to question, there's yep. some concern about it, then you're probably better off just sitting this mm -hmm. one out. There's yep. always going to be another show. Yep. Uh, there's always going to be another major event that you can go show to. Yep. Uh, the next one here is a big one. As social media has evolved, it's kind of become a, a, you know, a, a shooting off spot for people to uh, to put all the, all their feelings out there but uh, again we hold uh, our judges and, and our event officials uh, you know master hounds all that to a higher regard and we have these conversations with people all the time but uh, this under the guiding principles here this next highlighted section says your actions on your actions on social media and in public forums will also be regarded when determining your fitness to be a UKC judge yeah you know, those are things to certainly think about, you know, and again, you can find this on our UKC uh, uh, website, you know, under judges is where you're going to find that. But you know. Next page you got here is talking about the code of ethics for judges. Do you want me to go through some of these highlighted sections you have here? Uh, the first one here says a judge should avoid impropriety of the appear or the appearance of impropriety in all activities. Irresponsible or improper conduct erodes exhibitor confidence. This applies to both professional and personal conduct. Yeah, we kind of talked about that. It's kind of similar to what uh, what we talked about a little bit ago. But yeah, uh, if it gives the appearance of impropriety, in, in uh, uh, then stay away from it. That's right. That's your best. That's your best thing. Don't even put yourself yeah, in that situation. Exactly. 
Uh, next section there said a judge should respect and comply with the rules and tenets of the United Kennel Club and should act always in a manner that promotes public confidence in the integrity and impartiality of the registry. That's right. That's right. And the last one here that you have highlighted says a judge should not allow family, social, political, financial, or other relationships to influence judgment. A judge should neither lend the prestige of their position to advance their own private interests nor allow others to convey the impression that they are in a position to influence a judge's decision. I think that's a big bite right there. Not allow others to convey the impression that they are in a position to influence a judge's decision. You know, and, and uh, there's, there's just a lot to be, uh, a lot to be said right there. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as we kind of transition it, it, this, it's funny that this is coming up now. Um, it, you know, always seems like this time of year, we get a couple calls or maybe some emails discussing this kind of stuff. Actually, May of last year in the advisor column, I had pulled an old advisor column that you wrote. I think it was back in 2018 where you talked about some unwritten rules and coonhounds and some unethical practices as far as uh, who to show under, who not to show under, what to avoid. And now here we are uh, almost a year to the day later uh, uh, popping up. And, and But now we have this avenue, and I think this is a really efficient avenue to, to spread this out to more judges. Yeah. You know, we always we hear it a lot of times when we talk about ethics and this and that. And some, a judge will say, you know, well, I am just judging the dog. I am not looking at the handler. That's what you should be doing. That's what we, everybody should. All judges should be doing that. But this is not about that. This has nothing to do with that. It's sometimes it's just what it looks like. The whole perception thing is what is what uh, if it doesn't look good yeah. it, it's not about anything else other than that if yeah. it doesn't look good just stay away from it, especially from the, and you know what sometimes if you're if you're um i don't know some programs that, like dog of the year programs or something like that if you are in the running for it that's for most of the other competitors that are competing against you if you're out there judging the shows and judging the same dogs that you're competing against uh put the shoe on the other foot you know what does that uh, that Honestly, it could just, have you could have crystal clear uh, yeah. intentions. Yep, exactly. You but, know what I mentioned about yeah. what I just talked about. You know, well, all I'm doing is judging the dog. Right. Well, that really doesn't matter so much. That's not the problem. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, and it's uh, but I think uh, you know sometimes uh, I don't know sometimes there there will always be opportunities, and sometimes it's it's okay to turn down a an honorable assignment. Right. It is, and sometimes that's just the right thing to do. You know, and, uh, and the other thing is sometimes some of these, uh, some of the associations may not be aware of something that me as a judge might be aware of. Okay, if I judge their show for them, then this might come into play and they're not even thinking, that's okay. You yeah. just, you know, you don't need to make any explanations or anything, but uh, sometimes it's the right thing to do just to turn down an assignment. Right. And it's maybe a hard thing to do. We all want to judge the big, uh, the big assignments and this and that, you know, but... Uh, um, but yeah. Yeah. So these, this, uh, basically what this, uh, article entailed and what we're going to talk about is just a few of the unwritten rules, should you say, or, or some things to think about, uh, maybe unethical things, uh, that whenever, if you were in a, the other situation on the outside looking in, how would it look to you? So think about this the next time you take a judge in assignment or you go show under a judge. Yeah. And these notes that you made are, are actually, you know, things that we've got complaints about over the years and they come up all the time. And that's why we're having this conversation, you right. know, but yeah. Right. And like you talked about earlier, uh, these that we're going to be talking about, they're not written in the rule book. They're mm -hmm. not, uh, they're not violations in the rule book because like you said, depending on 
the stage. Some of these, you know, there's different, you know, there's different levels of competition out there and different, uh, the local level compared to automobiles in the world mm-hmm. and just a different stage. Uh, so none of these, I think this first one is now, I think at the time we wrote this, yes. I don't think it was, it might be, I think it is now, but anyways. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to go through the kind of the uh, introduction here real quick. None of these violate any written rule. However, many of them are unacceptable and directly violate ethical standards that should not require a written rule, especially when it comes to major shows. UKC greatly appreciates those judges and participants who take it upon themselves to eliminate the bad perceptions that come with some of the following. And the first one there, entering a dog housed by the judge that is registered in the name of their significant other. Unacceptable by any measure. Yeah. You know, I don't know who would think that is even acceptable, even at the local show, right. even at the local club. That's, nah, stay away from that. Next one, individuals entering dogs in major shows who are close friends with the judge. Yep. And I feel most of the time, most of our judges that do judge the big shows, you see people withholding their dogs from that event. And and we really appreciate that. You know, sometimes I know it's hard. You don't may, might not know where to draw the line. But like you mentioned a little while ago, if you have any question about it, really, yeah, that's, there's probably your answer. Yeah. I always find it funny. After yep. we announce our major event judges, yeah. I always get a couple of emails or messages like, well, there goes my automobile trip or yeah. what have you. But yeah. hey, we re- we appreciate people who are who and we can try see to, the bigger picture. We try to think as you know some things like that, and probably maybe sometimes we don't we don't think of everything you know, right. but uh, we certainly try to uh, you know yeah. coaching from the sidelines. Yeah, that's something you know. That's something that's always happened, and and I can it, it's uh, it's not an ethical thing to do, you know, and you still see it. And, and it's and, obvious. And sometimes it's very <laughs> obvious, and sometimes you just sit there and think, wow, look at that. That is, that's no good. Yeah. Uh, it says contacting and schmoozing a major event judges before the event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> kind of goes without yeah. yeah. Um, excessive discipline to dogs during a show. Yeah. It's, you know, a show, that's a competition. It's not a training session when you're out there. Don't be smacking your dogs around and things like that. You know, and you never know who's watching. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, and not just for that, you know, it's just not, that's not a training grounds. That's a, you're in the show. Yeah. Next one here, individuals judging and showing on opposite days at the same major event. Hey, this is a, this is a good one, you know, because really what it does, and if you really think about it, it leads to pick me and I'll pick you theories and perceptions. Yeah. Uh, from the sidelines and other participants or whatever. But um, that's why we always try to, when we have like uh, Autumn Oaks or the Winter Classic for that is uh, is to ask them, hey, don't show a dog on the opposite days. And this is why, because it does, it leads to that. And heaven forbid, you know, maybe they have the best dog there right. or whatever, you know, but here again, it's not, it's about the perception that gives. And it it uh, it's it's kind of unsettling sometimes to other participants. And like we said, uh, maybe this is you're judging at this show. Judge, right? Not showing. Next one here is pre- again not a rule, but it's a, it's all falls under ethical standards. Right. Next one here, judge traveling to the show with a participant. Heaven forbid that participant wins. My goodness, you know why do we even have to have this on here? But you know what? It's it's happening. That's a bad look when the judge pulls out with the and two guys or two walk around the backside and pull out a dog and they head up to the arena and one's judging the other one's showing the dog. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the epitome of bad perception right there. Yeah. Uh, judges making negative comments publicly regarding dogs they have judged. 
Yeah, such uh, remarks have a way of getting around. <laughs> Judges should always be aware of their unbecoming off-the-field comments, so to speak, because uh, uh, things like that have a way of coming around, you know? Yeah. If you want to talk uh, talk about dogs, talk about good dogs, you judge. Don't yeah. talk the smack about dogs at whatever. That's right. A uh, dog entered in the show where the judge is the breeder, previous owner, or co-owner could open the door for ridicule and is easily perceived as the judge making a biased selection if they were to pick that dog. Yeah, oftentimes that leaves a participant feeling like their dog didn't get a fair shake in the show, you know, if, if that's something that happens. But, yeah. Um, event organizers entering dogs in the show. Uh, obviously feel like he put some pressure on the judge in that instance. Yeah, yep. gives the impression that a participant is selecting their own judge for personal reasons, you know, and that's uh, – that's uh, and the last one that we have here bullet pointed is judges suggest to owners that they enter their dog in a show that they're judging. Yeah. You know, I, I get that sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're judging a big show, you, you know, some of the nice dogs around the country and you hope maybe you get to judge them, put your hands on them and this and that maybe, and you have no ill intentions, but it is not a, never a good look to, to, to uh, suggest to an owner, Hey, make sure I'm judging the show. Make sure you bring your dog or this or that. That's uh, Nothing good comes of that. Don't do that. That's not, yeah. 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 So those are kind of, uh, kind of our discussion there about uh, bench show judges and some of the unwritten rules. We talked about a code of ethics, different things. You can all find all this stuff on our website. It's an old advisor column. And I think it's a, it's just a good talking point. If nothing else, it plants the seed for our judges out there, our participants out there and some of our uh, associations and us, whenever we're making judge selections, a lot goes into that. Don't do it uh, without, you know, really thinking it through first. Yeah. And we don't want to get too deep in the weeds with it either. You know, we just want to be reasonable. We ask that people be reasonable in their, in their, uh, uh, thoughts and theories with it, you know, and, and, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, good hey, topic. Good well, topic. as always, we appreciate you guys listening. We got a, I got a busy, uh, travel season here coming up. Hope to see you guys at a lot of events and hopefully we'll get a lot of good content out there for you guys. But until Next time, safe travels and happy hunting. Thank you for listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. Be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss any of our new episodes or content.